Hey, well, welcome everybody. My name is Don. I'm one of the pastors here at River Glen. I'm so glad that you're here this weekend and so glad that you chose to spend part of your Father's Day weekend with us. And if you're online, wherever you are, uh, thank you as well. Hey, before we get started, I want to show appreciation to all the dads. I think we have some of the, the greatest dads and the greatest men here at River Glen. So to all the dads, granddads, great-granddads, dads-in-laws, adopted dads, foster dads, we want to uh, honor you, we love you, and appreciate all that you do. And so many of you are also the dad figures in the lives of others, and so we want to thank you as well. And Dad, if you're watching online, which I know you are, I love you. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for putting up with me when I was younger, uh, especially those things that we don't talk about anymore that we've agreed not to talk about. Uh, anyways, happy Father's Day. Matter of fact, let's all take a moment and recognize our dads, whether they're here with us today or not. Dads are great. Hey, well, as you can tell by that awesome video, we are in a new series called At The Movies. Um, I love going to movies. Everything about the experience, everything from trying to see how many boxes of junior mints and licorice and bags of microwave popcorn I can fit into my wife's purse to the big screen and, the, and those comfy chairs. Have you guys seen the new chairs that they have at the theater? They're called Dream Lounge chairs. These things are amazing. They literally like lay out like a bed. This week, Dave sent me a picture and asked me if we could put these in our new Pewaukee campus. And um, those of you guys thinking about going to Pewaukee, that is, that's not going to happen. Um, listen, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at, at some movies. Some of these you've seen before. Others of these might be new to you. And it's not that we agree with everything in these movies or what's said, but they highlight something for us that Scripture can deal with. I think this series takes some risk, but we like a little risk around here. Whatever we can do to break down barriers and help people get to know God. I think you're going to find we're going to have a lot of fun with this, but we're also going to learn something as well. So if you know people who love movies, this is a great series to bring them to and introduce them to River Glen. So with this, this being Father's Day, we're going to kick off the series, no pun intended, with a great football movie. I think there's lots of great football movies out there. I know some of my favorite are The Invincibles, Blindside, and who can forget, Remember the Titans, great, great movie. Somebody recommended Waterboy, but I don't think even Ben can find a connection to Scripture with the movie Waterboy, so we're not doing that today. But believe me, there is one movie that stands out above the rest. I think it's probably the most inspirational football movie of all time. I don't think it's even close, and that movie is Rudy. Rudy is a great, great football movie, and why? It's because it has all the elements of a great story, plus it makes you cry. Now, come on, guys. You know there's two things in sports that will make you cry. One of them just happened this past year. Rodgers goes down for the season. And the other one is a great sports movie about overcoming the odds. Now, I realize not all of you love football, but, well, I don't understand it completely, but, it, but football is something that I think we, in this movie, that we can all relate to. Somebody, somebody can relate to the, what's happening in Rudy. If you've ever lived in a situation where you've heard the words and the phrases, you can't do it, over and over again, you're going to connect with this movie. If someone in your life has ever told you you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're too old or you're too young then you're going to connect with Rudy's story. We've heard those words. They've affected us and they've impacted us in all areas of our life because we're listening to the voices in our head because the voices in our head impact 
the choices in our life. And the voices in our life are telling us things that we can't do. Especially if you're a young person. You probably grew up in a generation where your parents maybe told you, if you dream it, you can do it. But then you went off to college, and when you start to struggle, those voices start to question whether or not you're going to be able to make it, and you start to wonder the same thing. You manage to graduate, but you can't get a job in your field, and they keep saying, well, you don't have really what we're looking for, and all you hear is, you're not good enough. So if you're living with that, you're going to connect with Rudy. So let me give you a background of the movie. Uh, Rudy takes place in the early 70s. It's a true story. It's about a kid named Rudy Rudiger. Rudy grows up in a small industrial town in Illinois, and he grows up with this dream to play Notre Dame football, something that's very common back in that time. The problem is, is that Rudy's heart and Rudy's dream is way bigger than Rudy's body. Rudy is only 5'6", and he weighs about 165 pounds soaking wet. His grades are really bad, and he is the last person that anybody in his town thinks is going to go to Notre Dame, especially his family. But that doesn't stop Rudy. He doesn't care what anybody says. He just keeps dreaming the dream. And then one day, his best friend gets killed in an accident at the plant where they all work, and it seems like he reaches this critical point in his life where he starts to ask himself, what am I going to do now? And we all reach that point at some point in our lives when circumstances bring us to a crossroads where we need to make a choice. Are we going to become bitter or are we going to become better? Rudy gets to that point and he decides it's time to live out his dream. He's going to Notre Dame. And just about the time he's ready to take that bus ride, a dream killer sits down next to him who just happens to be his dad. Check out what happens to Rudy's dream. Dad, what are you doing here? You can take a couple of weeks off. Your grandfather saved all of his life to bring the family to this country. job in the stockyards. He had a nice little house in South Chicago. I was about 12. Somebody sold him on the idea he ought to move to the country and become a dairy farmer. some land, you know, gets a couple hundred cows. Within five months, every one of those cows was dead with disease. It was the depression. Couldn't sell the land. There was no work. So one day, He took off. Didn't come back. My brothers and me, we split up to live with friends and relatives. (sighs) Chasing a stupid dream causes nothing but you and everyone around you heartache. 
Notre Dame is for rich kids, smart kids, great athletes. It's not for us. You're a Rudiger. There's nothing in the world wrong with being a Rudiger. You can have a nice life. Frank is going to take over plan number two. In a couple years, you make more than me and Johnny. You know he's in charge of the expansion program. I don't want to be Frank or John. I love the line, my whole life everybody's been telling me what to do and what not to do. Don't get me wrong, when you're younger, you need people in your life to be able to tell you that. But there comes a point in your life where you need to start making your own decisions and your own choices. But I'll tell you, no matter how old you are, there's always going to be people in your life that want to tell you what to do and what not to do. And the problem starts is when those voices start to get loud. It gets us into situations that God never designed us to be in. He never created us to be in. And truthfully, we never really wanted to be in to begin with. Maybe you ended up in a job now because somebody else told you this is what you needed to be able to do. And you went to school and you got that degree and now you're in a job that you don't even like. And every day you feel like you're listening, living somebody else's dream. Or maybe you grew up and your friends are telling you, you know what, you got to get married. It's time to get married. You're not getting any younger. You need to start having kids. But now they're bailing on their marriages and their families. And you're starting to wonder why you even listened to them to begin with. And those friends you have that they keep telling you, this is what we all do. We all do this on business trips. We all laugh at those jokes. Come on, you can cheat at your job. You can cheat on your taxes. Everybody does it. The problem is voices determine our choices, and many of us are listening to the wrong choices. I brought with me today an ancient artifact. Some of you under 20, I know what you're thinking. This looks like a, a tiny VHS tape that you saw at your grandmother's house. That is something completely different. Uh, this is an old listening device, something that was around before those CDs that you now keep down in your basement. And this one is what, is what we call a mixtape. This one is special. Here's what's so special about a mixtape. When I was younger, a mixtape was about three steps before you got married. Because you had the day you got married, before that you had the engagement ring, before that you had the promise ring, which was really just a cheaper ring that you couldn't afford, uh, that you bought because you couldn't afford the engagement ring, and before that you had the mixtape. Now, this, this mixtape would tell you, or tell the woman, everything that you thought about her and the things you couldn't say to her. Now, I know most of you are saying out there, especially you young people, well, you can do that on a Spotify list. You can put the person's name on it, choose the songs, and you can just send it over as a text. And when you break up, all you got to do is change the name. I get that. <laughs> but listen, a mixtape took commitment. First of all, you could only choose songs from the library of albums that you had or other cassettes that you had. Your other choice was to record it directly from the radio. Um, some kids had a dual cassette deck, which really made it helpful. I didn't have one of those. So what I had to do is I had to put the album on, set the needle on, then lay on the floor, put the single deck recorder in front of me, in between the speakers, hit record on the, on the player, and start praying that my parents didn't walk in. How many of you remember that? It was tough, man, I am telling you. Even some, the other thing we had to do is I'd have to listen on the radio, wait for my song to come on with my recorder in front of me, and then when it did come on, not only did I have to worry about my parents, but I had to worry about the DJ talking over my song. So needless to say, between the dog barking, the parents walking in, maybe your roommate walking in, it'd take you maybe two weeks to put together the perfect mixtape, 
And then you had this beautiful 10-song, maybe 20-song, if you could afford the bigger cassette deck, and you'd hand it over to your girl, and you'd pray that she felt the same way. So here's a book that I got from my then-girlfriend, and, and this, this cassette tape fit right inside of here. And um, I know your women are going, why are you holding on to this? And the young guys are going, does that really work? Yes, it works. She married me. And uh, I will tell you, nobody with a Spotify list ever got a marriage from it. That is the power of a mixtape. But here's the problem, though. Many of us um, have a mixtape in our head, and it's filled with all the negative, hurtful things that people have said about us. It's not the positive ones. It's not the, hey, you did a good job, you know, you're pretty smart, or you're going to be really good at that one day, I can tell. We don't keep those. We keep the negative ones, and we put them together, and they sit in our head like a mixtape, and they play over and over again. It's a parent that says, you're never going to be as good as your brother. It's a spouse that says, I found somebody better. It's the kids at school who say those hurtful things about the way that you look or the way that you act, and those are the words that run, over, run in our head again and again. Those are the voices that you listen to, and all of us have collected these voices, some of them. Uh, some of us more than others. When I was a kid, I was little. Rudy would have been a, probably a giant to me. I had trouble connecting. I was a little awkward. I was in, probably an easy target for a lot of kids. And from about elementary through junior high, I filled my head with all these hurtful things that other kids had said about me, things about my size, the way that I looked, my teeth, my hair, anything that they could possibly think about. Dads and parents and adults here, Today our kids are starting to fill their heads with a mixtape that sounds just like that. And if they're anything like I was, they come home from school every day and they put their lunchbox on the counter, you ask them how their day was, and they tell you it's fine. And the truth is it's not. Statistics show that 80%, four out of five kids experience bullying. And today with social media, it's becoming an epidemic in our country. Many of our children are determining their value from the hurtful words of other children. For me, I played those words over and over again in my head, and they affected how I viewed others and how I viewed myself, and they led me to chase after the approval of others, which really led to a lot of unhealthy decisions when I was a child. For some of you, those words didn't come from a kid, but they came from your parents. They came from people in leadership, people you trust. What do you do when, th when things like that happen? What do you do when those words come from people who should have been saying positive things about you. When you think about Rudy's situation, the person who told him those words was his dad. Why would his dad do that? And why does anyone, kids, adults, people we trust, why do they say those things that hurt people? And it's because of these four words. Hurt people hurt people. For Rudy's dad, it was his own experience of hurt and devastation of his father's failed dream. Now he doesn't want his son to make the same mistakes. He thinks he's protecting his son from something, some, some of the bad decisions he might make. And on the surface, it looks good. And his dad's probably even thinking he's doing his son a favor. But what he's really doing is he's killing Rudy's dream. We all know those kind of dream killers, people that say, your marriage isn't going to last. Look at mine. That job is so far out of reach. Don't you know the odds of getting a job like that? Hey, whatever you do, don't open up about your struggles. They're going to reject you. Trust me, I know. I've been there. And on and on it goes. That's why I love the words of Jesus that speak the truth to us. He lets us know and warns us that there are people that say those things. 
but his word says something entirely different to us. Genesis 1.26 said, we are created after his likeness. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. John 1.12 says, we are children of God. John 15.15 says he calls us friend. And John 3.16 tells us that we are loved. That's what his word says. And look at what Jesus says in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Parents, if you want to be able to help your kids when their value is being determined by others, you need to understand this verse. We need to show them what Jesus says about them. Everyone, if you want to overcome those negative words that are playing in that mixtape in your head, you need to start believing what Jesus is saying. There's two people in this verse, and the question for you, for all of us, is, is who do you listen to? The people that are there to steal your hope, kill your dreams? And then what kind of voice are you going to be to your wife and to your husband? Dads, what kind of voice are you going to be to your children? Listen, your words matter. Use them wisely. They are so powerful. Words of encouragement from a father are like no other. And students, what kind of voice are you going to be at school and on the playground? And everyone, what about your coworkers, your neighbors, and your friends? Will it be the voice of stealing their joy and their hope and killing their dreams? Or will it be their a voice like Jesus? Jesus says, I've come so that you may have a full life. Everyone, we need to believe this and we need to embrace it because when you listen to those negative voices more than Jesus, you worship them more than him. Their opinion, their voice becomes more important to you than his. They become your idol. Rudy's in that same dilemma, but Rudy decides to not let his voices steal his dream, and he goes on to Notre Dame, and he's not able to get into the university, but he, he signs up to a community college nearby to get his grades up. He's struggling, and he's starting to wonder if his dream is ever going to come true, so he goes back to the priest at Notre Dame, and he asks for help. Take a look at the video. Taking your appeal to a higher court. I'm desperate. If I don't get in next semester, it's over, done. Notre Dame doesn't accept senior transfers. Well, the job, kid. Chasing down your dream. I don't care what kind of job I did. If it doesn't produce results, it doesn't mean anything. I think you'll discover that it will. Maybe I haven't prayed enough. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the problem. Praying is something we do in our time. The answer's come in God's time. Have I done everything I possibly can? Can you help me? Son, in 35 years of religious studies, I've come up with only two hard, incontrovertible facts. There is a God and... I'm not him. Two things I've learned in this world. There is a God and I am not him. I love that. Wouldn't we all be more at peace if we realized the truth in that statement? But it's tough. We, don't, we want answers, don't we? We want God to step in. We want him to remove the struggles, make things clear. We don't want to wait. We want solutions immediately. 
But that isn't how God generally works. And when God seems silent and we don't see him in our situation, that mixtape seems to get louder, doesn't it? And all those negative things that people say to us get louder and louder. But here's the thing about God. God seems to use time as a way to get our attention. In fact, throughout Scripture, when God says to somebody, and this is going to happen in your life, and then the time that it actually does happen usually takes a very long time. You see this displayed in the book of Samuel where you begin to hear the story of David. God describes David as a man after his own heart. And early in his life, he was somewhat of a biblical Rudy himself. He was undersized and underappreciated in his family. And it starts when God sends Samuel to the home of Jesse, uh, David's dad, to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse brings out his first son, who is most likely the favorite, probably the strongest, And Samuel's even impressed by him, and he says to God, here he is, God's anointed. But God says, don't even consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God's looking for something completely different. And as as Jesse brings forth all seven of the brothers, all seven of them are rejected. So Samuel tells Jesse, listen, is this it? Don't you have another son? And Jesse responds, yes, but he's the, he's the youngest, and he's out on the field uh, with the sheep. Jesse is so sure that Samuel wouldn't want David, he doesn't even bother to bring him to the lineup. But as we read on, David is eventually brought before Samuel, and the unlikely David was anointed the next king, but it doesn't end there. God had David wait another 20 years before he took over the throne. You see, God used that time to prepare David and the circumstances around him. And we see this happen throughout Scripture. The Israelites had to wait 40 years before they could go into the Promised Land. Even Jesus had to wait 30 years before he started his ministry. And on and on it goes where God says, I'm going to use time and trials to prepare you for what I have planned. Just a few weeks back, we were looking at James chapter 1. Remember what James said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We struggle with these scriptures because of our circumstance, but we also struggle with them because of our view of God. You see, we have this view, and it's, it's very limited by the past and by the present. God, on the other hand, has a full view, and he not only sees the past and the present, but he sees the future as well. Our view is very uh, limited and imperfect, but God's view is very full and complete. And what he's asking us to do is to trust on him and to wait on him so that he can make things perfect and complete. You see, though your dream may not be to play Notre Dame football, you do have a dream, and maybe that dream is for your marriage to flourish again. Well, people are telling you, hey, it's never going to work, give up. You deserve somebody better, somebody who's going to treat you better. God is saying, wait. And maybe it's your job. You continue to see others getting promotions by cheating and cutting corners and putting others down. And you start to wonder, maybe that's the path for me. But God is telling you to wait. And for some of you, it's your faith. You keep praying that God's going to deliver you from something, but he hasn't, and it hasn't happened quick enough. And God is telling you to persevere and to wait. And maybe you've been praying that someone in your family will come to know Christ, but you're tired of coming to church alone. And you're starting to wonder, is this ever going to happen? 
but God is telling you to wait. Rudy's waiting, but he keeps at it, and eventually he gets into Notre Dame in his last year of eligibility. He actually makes a football team, but only to take care of the equipment. He eventually gets to practice on the team, but he never gets to suit up on game day, and he never, ever gets to play. Finally, one day, it's the the final home game of Rudy's senior year, and the other players know it's Rudy's last shot. You see, they only allow so many people to suit up, so for Rudy to suit up, somebody on the team would have to give up their spot. Take a look at how Rudy ends. Oh, hi, Roland. Come in. I want Rudy to dress in my place, coach. He deserves it. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Georgia Tech is one of the top offensive teams in the country. You're an All-American, and our captain act like it. I believe I am. Me too, Coach. I'm ready to dress in my place. Coach, this is Rudy. For Rudy, Coach. the curve to me what the student body has been chanting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name Rudy. Dan Rudy, a walk-on senior, subject of a future article in yesterday's student newspaper, The Observer. After toiling for two years and partying the field and... Go get it, kid!
I told you it'd make you cry. I watched that in 10 times before I came up this morning so I wouldn't lose it on stage. I think part of the reason why it affects us, we put ourselves in that moment. Part of the team, we're rooting him on and we want that camaraderie. Did you know in the long history of Notre Dame football, that was the first time anyone was carried off the field and it's the last. You know, we hear those stories and we see those stories and we think that's the kind of community that I want to be a part of. And the reason is, is because that's the way that God's wired us. He's wired us for community. One of the ways he speaks the truth into your life is through the other people in your life who love God as well. That's why we meet together every week. That's why we're always saying, make this a priority, priority in your life. There's so many things that are pulling at you and fighting for your time, but God calls us to gather and to encourage each other and to uplift each other. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, Rudy became part of the Notre Dame community. And I'll tell you, he made his time at Notre Dame count. It was a priority and it was a focus. You saw his commitment. But you see, for Rudy, it didn't end there. For Rudy to really fulfill his dream, he needed to be a part of a smaller community, to be a part of a community that shared a common goal to play Notre Dame football. And it was there that he shared some of the same life experiences and gained strength and courage to overcome the odds and erase that mixtape that was in his head. Listen, we want you to be here every week. We, we know that gathering here weekly, it's going to help you. Uh, we know it's going to grow you and it's going to change you. But it's kind of like going to a big university. This is a big church and it's hard to connect with people and, and grow in that kind of environment. If you want to find that camaraderie, get strengthened and experience real life change, if you want God to really start to speak his dream into your life, you need to get connected with others. We have so many life groups here where you can do that any day of the week. I'm in a group of some guys that meet every Wednesday morning at a local coffee shop, and I love that. I love meeting with those guys and getting encouraged by them. And if mornings are not your thing, I get that. Uh, we have groups, though, that fit everybody. We even put together this study guide, and we, we have these over by the connect wall, and they're just a great way to stay connected during the summer, and, and while you're over there, talk to the people about which groups we have. We have active groups in the summer, and we have Celebrate Recovery. Find a group that's a, a right fit for you. David said it this way in Psalms 133, verses 1 and 2, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. I know that sounds weird, but back then the idea of oil meant blessing. And when he's saying you're connected with other people, you feel God's blessing just pour out all over you. I know that's true in my life. As devastating as those words were when I was younger, I had people later in my life, in church and in my life groups and in Alpha, who spoke the opposite of those words to me, encouraged me, and they challenged me, and they led me to be the person I am today. You know, we all need people like this in our life, people that can speak the love of Jesus into our life, because their voices become our choices. I have a question for you today. Are you tired of listening to those lies of those dream killers, tired of those others stealing your hope and stealing your joy, are you ready to start trusting Jesus and believing his word? John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Are you ready to surround yourself with others, others who will breathe life into you and, and give it to you in the full? And are you ready to surround yourself with others? I hope you are, and I pray that you will. Let's respond together with one more song. Let's stand and sing. Thank you.